progressives use the same general game plan when, you know, they want to get what they want. First, they push a radical agenda, one that everyone disagrees with. Then they accuse everyone of misinterpreting it. Then they claim, well, it's really not that radical. Then their radical agenda becomes a reality. But by then, they're gone, already pushing for a new radical agenda. So how do you get progressives to reveal their racism? Well, I'll show them a picture of a black Republican holding, uh, you know, an AR. That's not a hypothetical. It actually happened to today's guest, the lieutenant governor of Virginia. Even as the first black woman to hold statewide office in Virginia, the capital of the South, she has been the victim of the left's contradictory racism. When she fought against critical race theory, the NAACP called her a pawn in the larger game of white supremacy. In an interview with Joy Reid, Michael Eric Dyson said, there's a black mouth moving, but a white idea running on the runway of the tongue of a figure who justifies and legitimizes the white supremacist practice, end quote. Wow. Maybe we should take her down because she's an immigrant, too. Yeah, the left should love her because she's an immigrant born in Kingston, Jamaica. She moved to the Bronx. So she's also kind of a New Yorker. Wow. What? What is it they don't like about her again? After a nearly two decade break from politics, she won the nomination for lieutenant governor of Virginia and became the first black woman to hold the position. And she is a natural. I mean, you're going to see there's there's something special about her. And in February, someone uh, hid her gavel as she was about to preside. She uh, removed one of her black high heels and said, one shoe can change your life. Just ask Cinderella. Please welcome Winsome Earl Sears. Have you been told to go home and just get used to your progressives? Ugh. I hate everything progressive. I really do. Except these. These are Rodenstock glasses, and I got them from Better Spectacles. Better Spectacles, a conservative American company, is now exclusively exclusively offering a Rodenstock eyewear for the first time in the U.S. Rodenstock um, had a group of scientists. They use biometric research to measure the eye in over 7,000 points, and they have taken the findings that combined it with artificial intelligence, and the result is a biometric intelligent set of glasses or big glasses, which gives you a seamless and totally natural experience and improves your vision sharpness at all distances. 98% of the people who have these glasses recommend them. I do. Betterspectacles.com. Promo code Beck. Betterspectacles.com slash Beck is where you go to schedule a tele-optical a tele appointment. You don't even have to leave the comfort of your home. They're offering 61% off their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. Uh, don't settle for less with your eyesight. Go big. Betterspectacles.com slash Beck. Betterspectacles.com slash Beck. All right. One other thing I want to tell you about, and then we're getting right into the show. If you're one of the millions of Americans who suffer every day from pain, what do I got to do? What do I have to do to talk you into just trying? My, I wish I could guilt you like my wife did. Ugh. 
Oh, I thought we were going to try everything. I'm sorry. You're not going to try this. Honey, it's not going to work. You know, natural blah, blah, blah. I've been to the Mayo Clinic for the pain. I've been to Columbia University for the pain. Like, I think they actually injected pain into me there. But anyway, um, I tried everything. This is not going to work. Try it for three weeks. If it doesn't work, then you can stop uh, taking it. Otherwise, I'm not going to listen to you whine anymore. Like I would whine. Started taking it, and uh, she was right. But she was right. Uh, And lo and behold, uh, I was right about Relief Factor. Not a drug, but it sure works for me. It, get the three-week quick start. Try for yourself. 1995, 70% of the people who try to order it go on to order more because it works. Drug-free, natural way. Get your life back. ReliefFactor.com. That's ReliefFactor.com. Winsome. <laughs> that would be me. How are you? <laughs> So glad to have you. I can't believe I'm talking to the great Glenn Beck. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been it's been tough to uh, schedule time to get you, and I I'd love to see you in person sometime and meet you. Uh, you, I'd love to do that. Yeah. I mean, my husband and I we'd watch you from the old chalk chalkboard days. You oh know. Oh my gosh. So. Oh my gosh. Well, that's that's uh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Um, so I, I I find you fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. You are an immigrant. You came here when you were what five from Jamaica. Six. When I was six. You were six years old. Um, yes. And, and I want to um, first of all, what was your your childlike view, your family's childlike view of America, what was it? Well, uh, as far as I can remember, coming off that Pan-American plane, first of all, getting on a plane, yeah. you know, at that mm-hmm. young age. And this was back in the 60s. So um, actually, no, it was uh, it was 71, 1971 okay. when I and we arrived. The smells were different. You know, countries have smells. The smells were different. The music was different. Um, although every Sunday in Jamaica, we do play country music on the radio. <laughs> and yes, because they say country music is nearest to God. Well, that was the old country music, mm, I guess. But yeah. no, uh, so people like Jim Reeves, we mm-hmm. played. And, um, and, and then it was cold. And it's not cold in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. In Jamaica, nobody asks what the weather is. It's always beautiful. But it's so certain phases, you know. It's, uh-huh. But it's 1971. What were yes. your folks? That's right after Martin Luther King. All kinds of turmoil yes. in the streets. What were your parents thinking? Well, it was my father who came, and it's actually even deeper than that. My father came to America. August 11th of 1963. Wow. And that's why in acceptance speech, I say this is not 1963 when my father came because he came, what, 17 days before Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech. Wow. And so I said to my father when I discovered this, why did you come then? It was a bad time for us. And he said, because this is where the jobs were. I said, yeah, but you came at the height of the civil rights movement. He said, this is where the opportunities were. So he came with a dollar seventy-five. He didn't, you know, uh, 
didn't really know anybody except my my aunt his sister she had come when she was i think 11 and so she came back in 1919 19, let me think maybe 1930 mm. you know and and so but jamaicans have been coming to america since their early 1900s, maybe 19, as, as soon as they could after the Civil War. Think about it. Uh, Colin Powell's parents came from Jamaica, both of them. I think it was 1920 when they came. Harry Belafonte's, I think it was his mother. Uh, she was born in Jamaica and she came in 1920-something. Uh, so Jamaicans have been coming. But let's get even past that, or maybe I should say before that. We talk about, when it comes to race relations in America, we talk about uh, the, the awful tragedy that slavery was. But think about after the Civil War, black people began to accumulate wealth, mm -hmm. even when they never got their 40 acres and a mule. They yeah. decided they weren't going to wait. In fact, uh, the Union Army uh, created Special Order Number 15, which designated the 40 acres and a mule and seed so that they could plant, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when that began to be taken from them, they did other things to the point that you had this thriving black community in Tulsa where mm. they 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 uh, they you you know the story yeah they owned Main Street they owned homes they owned just about everything and such right after the it Civil was, War just about it was one of the wealthiest communities um, in America it was Black Wall Street yeah Black Wall Street and. It, such that uh, the whites, unfortunately, jealous and mm -hmm. burned down the businesses, burned down their homes, killed people, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But why do we stop there? Why do we always point to the, the, the wickedness of that and not say, but look what God was able to do? help us to do to accomplish that kind of wealth in that kind of an environment and how do we get back there again why don't we say if black people then could thrive not just survive but thrive in those terrible economic times why can't we thrive today because i think those people uh who suffered the inhumanities would say to us what are you talking about? You have never suffered like we suffered. So you can accumulate wealth. You can have a good education. You can accomplish. You can overcome. You will overcome. You must overcome. So Winsome, let me ask you, what is the, what is the difference um, between uh, the African-American community and let's say the Jewish community that has had 19 holocausts, one after another, after another, and always persecuted and always a scapegoat and everything else. And yet, generally speaking, very successful as a people. And my my first thought was, well, God plays a very important role in that community. However, God plays a huge role in the African-American community. So what yes, is it? Does. What's the difference? What, why is one group just refusing to give up and just like, in spite of you, I'm going to make it. And the other group has, I don't know, fallen into 
what they're not. Well, I don't know that it's a group this or that. I, I think because, all right, so most people probably don't remember that after the Civil War, black people were marrying in higher percentages than, than white people. Yeah. And this lasted up until, according to census records, about the late 60s. Mm-hmm. And then we had some politicians who, God help us, wanted to help the black community, whatever <laughs> that meant. And it just destroyed us. Uh, our, it destroyed our families because they came in with the great society and they had prop, uh, uh, you know, where, where they had, if you had a father in the home, mm-hmm. then you weren't going to get any uh, government help, any, any you know, welfare, etc. They turned welfare into an as needed into an entitlement. And so you now have generations who have grown up on entitlement, on welfare, and it has destroyed us. Because the government inserted itself and said, if you have a man in the home, mm-hmm. then we will not provide benefits. We now have where uh, women are absolutely the matriarchs of our oh, society, yeah. the black community. We don't have patriarchs. Think about that. We don't have patriarchs. And everybody knows fathers need to be in the homes. We have so many statistics that tell us without a father in the home, the children commit suicide in higher percentages. They don't finish high school in higher percentages. They go to to, uh, incarceration in higher percentages because boys need their fathers. Boys need their fathers to teach them how to be men. And women need their fathers. Daughters need their fathers to teach them about uh, womanhood and, and men you know all of the and to protect us and yes we we want our men to cherish us to nurture us unlike what hillary clinton said human beings want to be cherished you are fantastic um let me let me take you to education you said that when you were talking to some friends back in Jamaica, same age, you were in school, they were in school, that uh, you noticed you were misspelling things, using things, uh, you know, using words in a way that that they weren't, but they were actually technically correct on English and you weren't. And you looked at Americans' education and you thought, how is it better in Jamaica than it is here? Is that true? Well, when I came to America, my father, of course, uh, so what my father did when he came to America, uh, with only $1.75, by the way, he took any job he could find and put himself through school and started his American dream. And then once he stabilized, he came back to Jamaica and got me. So he had been coming back home, you know, uh, for visits, but he brought me back uh, for good. So I arrived when I was six. And started public schools here in America, in the Bronx. Um, Now, by the time I got to the third grade, I was spelling words like this and that, and and I was coming home every every week at the end of a week with some kind of meritorious certificate for Mm. doing well. My father said, oh no, 
she's not learning anything. So he sent me back to school in a third world country. Believe oh it or my not. gosh. When I got back to Jamaica for school, I was woefully behind. I was so behind. I was the tallest kid. They put me back in the first grade. <gasps> wow. And they, they were spelling words like achievement and accomplishment, and they knew what it meant. And I didn't. But thankfully, with a, 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 a lot of tutoring, uh, private tutoring, meaning my uncle, my uncle made multiplication tables for me, broke the clock to teach me how to uh, tell time. Um, there's just so many different things that I finally caught up and caught up to the point where I was a grade ahead mm. in, in school. So, yeah, now that uncle, actually, he was recruited to attend Harvard because these uh, these higher institutions of learning, the colleges and universities, they actually come to Jamaica to recruit because our educational system is so much better. And in fact, they still do. That is phenomenal to me. Phenomenal. But clearly true the way we educate now none of it seems to work and it seems to be all about indoctrination and i tell you it is um with what's happening in our schools now it's so far beyond uh, a, a radical agenda it is it is an agenda to destroy everything really truly everything we believe in so tell me, go ahead. Let, let me tell you, um, recently I've been talking about what California has done in its zero emissions policy. And you're going to ask, well, what does that have to do with Virginia? Well, I'm glad you asked because <laughs> what, what our, our Democrats, unfortunately, in the legislature, and I hate to break it down politically, but there's no other way to break it down because they were the ones who made this policy and it became law for us. When the Democrats took control of the Virginia uh, uh, State House of the Senate and the governor's mansion, they ran wild with that power. They had absolute power, plus they had the attorney general and they had the lieutenant governor. They had all five uh, of the top positions. Well, here we are. And uh, they decided last year, 2021, to vote such that we would, in Virginia, hitch our wagon to the, uh, the emissions policies from the, the vehicles Anything that California said, oh we would adopt. Oh, my gosh. On its face, no comment. And it was written that way that you could not comment in Virginia about any of it. Whatever they said in California, we were going to have to swallow it. That's it. But, you know, in California, oh. who had that opportunity? The Californians did. The people who elected the legislators in California had a public comment period. The Democrats said, no, in Virginia, you don't get a chance to comment. That's number one. So here we are now that California decided this year, last Thursday, as a matter of fact, that they were going to go to a zero emissions policy in, in uh, cars by the year 2035. All right. Other, well, that you know, 40% of the vehicles in California they're already zero emissions. They're hybrids, they're EVs, right? Except that only 2% of the vehicles in Virginia 
are hybrids or EVs. So the kicker, though, on top of all that is in order to get to 2035, California has instituted where by 2026, one third or about 35 percent of all vehicles sold in California must be zero emissions. Oh, zero my gosh. Emissions. Otherwise, the automakers will suffer the consequences of a twenty thousand dollar tax on each vehicle sold. Oh, well, we, we're only at two percent in Virginia. We're only at two percent. Guess who is going to pay for all that? That's right, you the taxpayer. And you can thank the Democrats for that. And then there, there are other milestones, mandates that must be met as we approach 2035. Now, I'm thinking, Glenn, that it doesn't really stop with this zero emissions policy. Because you see, what we now have, in my opinion, are two federal governments. We have the federal government and then we have California. Huh. Because the federal government said, states, you must adopt one of these two EPA type clean air initiatives. You can either adopt the federal government standards or you can adopt the more stringent California standards. Who, what, how is that constitutional? Number one. And number two, if we all hitch our, our rides to, as we say, California, which I think about 14 states have done, and guess which states they were? Yes, folks, they were the more liberal states. You know what that's the precursor to? The Electoral College, because we have precedent now. And so if wow. we have Chicago and New York making these decisions for the rest of the states and there is no public comment, think about it. The electoral college is in jeopardy and they will upend our constitution. There are ways to destroy a country, you know, and it, 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 the best way it seems is from within. Just ask the Romans, they know all about that. Yeah. Rome was quite from within, not without. That's what Abraham Lincoln said, too. I thought you were, I didn't think of the Electoral College. I thought you were going to go to turn back to schools on that, that that is, I mean, right now they're changing the history standards, uh, at least in yeah. Texas. And when Texas votes, it's the school books are all slaves to either Texas or California. So if we change our history uh, yes. and our standards, you know, half the country changes it. And that's scary. And you talk about, <laughs> well, you talk about education again, and we have to think that we have lost our common sense in the country mm -hmm. because here it is in Loudoun County. And by the way, Loudoun County, Virginia is the wealthiest county in all of America. You would think it was L.A. <laughs> no, no, it's right here in good old Virginia. And in Loudoun County, you, the parent tried to read the filth, tried to read a book and, and a curriculum that the children in Loudoun County are forced to read and the school board stopped the, the parent from doing so because they said it was filth, only then to be told by the parent, well, this is what you're teaching our children. And if I can't repeat it in public, why are you teaching it to my children? You see what I mean? 
This is what we've lost common sense and we need to vote differently. We cannot leave the battlefield and the battlefield is called voting because you lose 100% of the battles that you walk away from. You know who's hoping that America stays America? The people who are dying at the border to come in, the southern border. They hope America stays America. They don't want us to become socialist. They're probably saying to themselves, no, I just got here. Right. <laughs> Stay America. I'm running away from that. Right. It doesn't work in my country. Now, they have to do it the right way. We have to know who's coming across the border. We have to protect our borders. Indeed, a nation without borders is no nation. I mean, even the president, President Biden understands that. That's why he's helping Ukraine uh, with $40 billion of our tax money. So he's willing to protect Ukraine's border, but not his own. I thought charity began at home. This is nonsense. This is what I mean. None of it makes any sense. So if you think you're in a twilight zone, folks, this is real life. You've got to get to the polls. You've got to give to candidates who you know have common sense, just common sense. What we're talking about here is an America that we don't really even recognize. Uh, and I told you that would come. Um, there's a couple of things that I worry about that uh, I wish I could express in clearer terms to get everybody to do it. Food shortages are coming. Food shortages are real. Uh, short of a miracle, uh, we're not that far away from them, but I have good news. My Patriot Supply is currently offering an unprecedented $250 discount on their very popular three-month emergency food kit. Being prepared isn't just a fun little hobby for weirdos anymore. Now it is the sort of thing that could be absolutely vital to you and your family in the coming months maybe even the coming years. This kit gives you a wide variety of delicious meals so you're never going to get bored. 2,000 calories a day. Keep your energy up. Save $250 on your My Patriot Supply emergency food kit. Don't wait for it to get worse because it's going to get worse. Your food is going to ship fast and free and arrive in unmarked boxes so the post office isn't like, okay, get that to the FBI. They also store food. Preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com. Grab it now. All right. Imagine what it would be like if there was a way for you to buy high-quality meat and pay only the reasonable price. Yeah. But not just the reasonable price, the reasonable price forever. Sound a little too good to be true? This time it is true. That's exactly what you're going to do when you purchase your meat through Good Ranchers. When you subscribe to Good Ranchers, your meat prices get locked in for as long as you subscribe to them. So if you would have done this last year, how much are you paying for a hamburger this year? A little more than last year? If you did this last year, you'd still be paying the same price for meat. May I suggest you do this now because it's only going to get more expensive. Stop paying today's prices. Pay yesterday's prices. And uh, boy, are you going to thank me a year from now? Best part, it's really good meat. It's really good uh, chicken. It's really good fish. And it's all from here in America. Use the code Glenn today. Get your box $30 off plus free shipping. You're going to love the prime steaks, the better than organic chicken, superior seafood. It's great. It's good ranchers. 
Go to the web address right there. Goodranchers.com slash Glenn. Goodranchers.com slash Glenn. You were a politician and you quit for 20 years. You didn't do politics. I mean, yes. you've done everything. You've worked at a homeless shelter. You were a Marine, uh, an electrician. Uh, yes. Where else did you? I mean, you've done a little bit of oh, everything. Chamber of Commerce. I, I taught adults how to read. I had a, a prison ministry prison that I ministry, did for two right. years. My ministry. I loved it. You know why? Because when you're down, the only place to go is up. And if I can help that and you can see uh, signs of inspiration and maturity that people are beginning to think that they can do better, then, you know, it's it makes all the difference in the world. And you go home thinking, yeah, I improved one at least one life today. And I saw it modeled for me. You know, my grandmother took one. I remember this homeless gentleman. She took him. He was high on marijuana, by the way. And eyes red, bulging. It just stunk filth uh, living in the gutter in Jamaica. Brought him to the house. Cleaned him up. He couldn't read. She he found an adult literacy program for him. Got him a job in the meantime. And he, you know, has a family now. So I've, I've seen what you can do when you really want to change lives. Plus, she was in politics. Uh, she was like a precinct captain, you know. And, and by the way, we in Jamaica, we had conservative talk radio long before you all, because I remember as a kid, you know, it's true. I remember as a kid that everybody understood that when Mrs. Earl was listening to uh, her talk radio, you do not disturb her. Mm. And and so there she was listening and, and answering the radio. You know, she didn't like what she heard, that sort of thing. Yeah, this was way back in the early 70s. I remember this. And Jamaicans love politics anyway. I knew what the IMF meant when I was eight, nine years old, because we had a prime minister who came to power and said we were a banana republic because of these multinational corporations who were in Jamaica and uh, they were destroying Jamaica, except, uh, yeah, we were doing well. But he declared that we were now going to be a socialist Democrat country. Where have we heard that? That's right. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Folks, it doesn't work. It destroyed Jamaica. That prime minister, uh, socialist, he brought over Castro. Now, Cuba is only 45 minutes from Jamaica. Cuba and Jamaica have always gotten along in some fashion, but not like this. He brought over Castro. Castro brought uh, Cuban uh, Russian money and decided they were going to build schools. He nationalized everything. Uh, he took over private property. Uh, the corporations left. So foreign exchange was gone. He People tried to leave the country because we, we were in lockdown all the time. It's the communist socialist mm -hmm. thing, you know. Um, and uh, it got to the point where he said to the, the, those who could flee Jamaica, those who had means, he said, if you don't like my economic policies, well, there's a plane leaving for Miami every day at three o'clock. Be on it. 
That's what a lot of people did. And of course, they could only take so much money out of the country. It has taken Jamaica at least 40, 45, 50 years to come back to where we are today. Mm. We had been on such a major trajectory that we could have been one of the little tigers that you hear in, uh, in Southeast Asia, like the, the Taiwans and the Singapores of the world. No, this idiot of a politician. I'll call him that because that's who he was. He destroyed Jamaica. So destroyed you, you've you've seen this over and over again. I don't yes. I don't know why. I just asked this on the air uh, or I made the statement uh, the other day that um, I, I never really understood. I mean, there's a fulfillment of a few things in understanding now. One of the things I never really understood until recently is those with eyes will see and those with ears will hear. Because um. I'm watching things that are black and white. It's not gray. It's black and white. Good versus evil. And Evil. Evil. And I don't get it. Why are people not seeing this or more people not seeing this? Because it hasn't hurt them yet. When it really starts hurting, then they will. It's that old, you know, Martin Niemöller during uh, World War II in Germany. You remember mm -hmm. he was, a, I think he was a Lutheran pastor. Yes. And he was summing up the issue about how we have come to where we are in Germany with the Nazis. And he said, when they came for the Jews, I didn't care because I wasn't a Jew. When they came for the, the unions, I didn't care because I wasn't in the unions. When they came for this, I didn't care. I didn't care until they came for me and there was no one to care about me. No one to speak for me. It's that sort of thing. Uh, you see, uh, the very wealthy um, are, I think they have to be careful because sometimes they're helping to drive the policies. The journalists we know, the mainstream media, the legacy media, they're helping to, dis to, to drive the issue and they've taken side. Except that they forget that once certain people come to power, then you're one of the first that they destroy because you see they have to stop you because you help them get here. That means you have power and power goes after power. And there's nothing like when the government comes against you. So we have to begin to see that there are seeds being planted, seeds of unrest, seeds of distrust, seeds of, of divisiveness and uh, there are people who want power and they're going to get it if we allow them to be successful and that's why people who look like me are dangerous because mm. I'm the trifecta I'm an immigrant supposedly conservative hate immigrants <laughs> I'm a woman supposedly conservatives are misogynists and whatever else uh, I am also black supposedly conservatives hate blacks so i'm all three and that's why they have to come against me and call me a white supremacist even though i'm pretty much dark chocolate in color <laughs> and it's, it's, it's nonsense of course you see you're laughing because i told you none of it makes any sense but glenn here's the thing me i'm the one who wants black women to have their babies 
How can I be a white supremacist? It's dumb. It's dumb what they say. But you know, there are enough people who look like me who are not listening anymore. Mm-hmm. They're understanding what this is all about. This is about power. It's always been about power. Let me. Um, you know, the NAACP. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to say this last NAACP invited um, our secretary of the Commonwealth to dinner. And uh, it's one of the ways that they raise money, uh, scholarship money, uh, so that people can afford schools, etc. And because she's a Republican, the Democrats came after this local NAACP chapter and forced the local NAACP chapter, a nonpartisan organization, to pretty much disinvite her. And because they wouldn't, then they had to cancel. Cancel something that would help the black community. Imagine that, education. So what we're discovering now is that we actually have a master. Black people have a master, and it's the Democrat Party who has become our new masters. Who died and left you in charge of us? And who died and left you in charge by putting what uh, certain black people in charge of us? Are you our new overseers? Is that how this works? Well, we're 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 not uh, we're not listening anymore. You know, we're it's funny. You, you, I'll get into this with you some other time. But you say who died and left you in charge of us? I think it was John F. Kennedy, and he left Lyndon Johnson, a known racist. Also, the guy who signed the 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 uh, Great Society Bill, which just destroyed the black community, destroyed as you point out. Community. So I want to I only have seven minutes left because I know you're on a tight schedule. So I want to ask you about two things. Um, first of all, you've worked in homeless shelters. You've worked in prisons. I would love to know um, your thoughts on California and what they're doing for homelessness and what can be done for homelessness. The other topic is. Christianity. Um, I know you're a big Christian and I, well, you know what? Let's spend our time here. Um, We are facing evil, true evil. There's no other. I've had atheists say to me, Glenn, there's no other way to describe what's going on than evil. Um, And yet I talk to so many Christians who just don't think they think it's all up to us that we have to find the that one person that can save us and i and it's almost like they're denying the power of god it's like no just do the right thing do all you're supposed to do live the right principles do the right things and god will do the rest and it's almost i feel like saying to them you do believe in the, you do believe in the resurrection, right? Because that's a harder one than fixing the country for God, uh, and yet we we don't seem to have that. Where is where are the Christians that are that are standing up peacefully and squaring their shoulders and saying, "I'm sorry, but this is wrong. I go no further. We're not doing this here, and God will take care of the rest." We're afraid. We're afraid to rock the boat because, you see, if we come out and say something, then they'll all come against us. And they're they are very loud and they have the media Boy, that's to sound- help them. 
sing that song. Look, I have a savior. I'm not looking for a savior. I already have one. So I don't need a political party to to tell me that I can be all that I can be. I already know that. I need you to get out of my way so that I can get it done. Because this is America. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, this is America. And if you can't make it in America, you can't make it anywhere. So, you know what? We are charged as Christians and as people of faith, I think, uh, that you must confront the darkness. It's really that simple. That's the reason why we have locks on our doors. We don't just have doors on, on our, our, you know, the entryway to our homes. We have locks because there is darkness. There is going to be somebody trying to get into your home to steal things when you're there as well as when you're not there. Um, we have wickedness and darkness in the world when we have rapists and murderers, etc., which is why we have laws to protect us from these people because they're going to do something. So what is a law? A law is preparing us that if you do X, then we are going to do Y. Um, we have the military to protect us from other countries even because let's not kid ourselves. If we don't fund our military, if we are not always prepared, yes, we have a constitution, but if we don't have a military to protect and defend it, if we are overrun by another country, you know what they're going to do with the constitution? Tear it up. Tear it up. There is wickedness. There is darkness in the world, and we must make the darkness tremble. You know how I did that this morning? I put up, and and if it hasn't shown up yet, it will, a post about adoption versus abortion. And what I showed was a a picture that shows a baby with the words abortion. But when you substitute the D for a B, then then you get adoption. Mm. And then I asked the question, Name the various professions that need a baby to be born. And I said, I'll start. That would be the very same doctors and nurses who are performing the abortion. Think about it. So a country without children is a dying country, is a country without hope. You know who knows that now? China knows that now. That's why they've gotten rid of their one-child policy. So here is God telling us, be fruitful and multiply. And China says, no, I don't think so. One child per couple. That's it. And so they killed their girl babies, left them in the streets literally to die. So, you know, we've got to say no more, no more. Are you... uh would you consider yourself uh, uh, when you look at the landscape today optimistic cautiously optimistic uh, cautiously pessimistic where are you on the future of of America today well you know 
I when I, I think about the Jews when the Lord said He was going to send them into captivity, and He said, "Pray for the peace of the place that I am sending you to." And then I I'm reminded about Esther that even though the book of Esther doesn't specifically mention God, he did provide a way for them to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when uh, the, the, the pagans were coming after them. So I believe I'm sort of an exile here in America. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm an, a Jamaican in exile and I'm, and I'm now a product of America. And thank God for America. Here I am, second in command, in the former capital of the Confederacy. Think about that. I know. Those people falling in their graves. A black woman? Really? <laughs> yeah, she's an immigrant? She wasn't even born there? Yes, yes, here I am. So those who say America has not progressed, oh God. I, I wonder if he says, if you don't see that I've brought you from a mighty long way, then why don't I just take my hand off of you? Yes. And then you will understand that you should have been giving me glory. Yes, we have a saying in church, I may not be what I'm supposed to be, but I ain't what I used to be. And that's America. Mm-hmm. She may not be what she's supposed to be, but she ain't what she used to be. Because this is not 1963 and here I sit. I, it's not just my father who is the immigrant. I am the immigrant. So I have hope. I have hope because there is a God. I have hope because I know that he does intervene in the affairs of men, if only to keep us from ourselves sometimes. Yeah. And I have hope that, you know, it doesn't take a lot of people to help save a country. You can have a remnant. And if people will get on their knees and pray and turn from their wicked ways, as the Bible says in Chronicles, then God will hear and help heal our land. Um, Think about this. Sodom was destroyed because 10 people, 10 good people could not be found. God said, just find me 10, just 10. And do you know, we could, he could have found 10 because what? Lot was one, his wife, two, the two daughters, that's four. And the two daughters, as you know, were betrothed. So that's two now, two husbands and the two moms and the two dads of the children that they were betrothed to. That's 10. One family could have saved Sodom, but they couldn't even find 10. So folks, we need to get to praying and then we need to get to doing. We have to do. We can't just sit and moan and groan about what's going on. You gotta get involved. It is uh, going to be, I think, a an exciting election. I think the um, uh, the way the media is portraying this, that it's close, it may be close, um, but I don't think it's going to be as close as they think, and I think they're going to be a lot more red uh, than blue. At least that's my prayer. Um, thank you so much. Please, please let us bring you into uh, Dallas, because I would love to sit down with you and, and spend some more time. You're fascinating, and I love love your style and your history thank you <laughs> thank you glenn i you know you can't ever i don't think plan your life because here i am talking with you and i say only god can do these sorts of oh, things yeah. so he is amazing yeah he is god bless you thank you thank you very much you bet. bye-bye, bye-bye. 
just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 